African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us uh, right here on Channel Africa. This is uh, African Dialogue. Uh, Thank you for joining us uh, here on our frequency, 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa, DSTV Channel 802 on the audio book, www.channelafrica.co.za is our email address. Thank you for joining us right here on African Dialogue, where from Monday and Thursday we look at the big stories taking place on the African continent, bringing experts in to have a huge discussion on the trends and just to look at uh, uh, the themes that are taking place on the continent. We're looking at a very concerning story today and uh, we're going to be looking at the issue that has been very much on the minds of South Africans and worrying. We're seeing a big trend and maybe it's not a a trend in itself. I think it's a continuous thing but it has been more exposed through social media uh, mediums where we've seen the killing of various women and the abduction of women being highlighted on social media. The killing of women at the hands of their partners is very much also specific in South Africa and it's been seen as one that's been uh, really much on the increase. Now, now, I want us to look at this story and this is also a very sensitive story. So if you're a very sensitive person, maybe you should just uh, uh, pause a little while the show and then we'll you'll get back to us. But uh, the family who was allegedly stabbed to death by her boyfriend, the family of a woman who was allegedly stabbed by death to by her boyfriend at Lokokoeni, a village in Lucy Kisiki in the Eastern Cape, is devastated by her death. Now, 44-year-old Zinguswa Polokia's body was found cut to pieces in a pool of blood last week. This is another example of one of these killings. Now, Fundiswa Mklekute reports. The whole village knew about the deceased relationship with the accused. Ironically, the bereaved family knew the suspect as a humble person who neither drank nor smoked. But according to the deceased aunt Mamsajenze Lopoloje, the 38-year-old suspect, who has since been arrested for the murder of Zingiswa, was jealous, accusing her of cheating on him. Aunt Mamsajenze uses the word destroy to describe the manner in which her niece's body was ruthlessly cut to pieces. Her neck, shoulders and nose were cut. There was blood all over the place. I have never seen so much blood in my life. We are very heartbroken about what has happened. I cannot eat. My blood pressure is affected because of what has happened to our child. She was a father and mother to this family. The deceased brother, 32-year-old Seviwe Poloje, says his sister used the money she received from a child support grant for her five children to feed the family. I depended on her. There was always food on the table because of her. Sometimes she would do odd jobs just to make sure we are not hungry. This is really hurting me. Eastern Cape Police spokesperson in Lusikisig and Flagstaff Mduduzi Kolwana has issued a stern warning to men who abuse women and children. I would like to ask the men out there not to kill or ill-treat the women and the children because those people are queens. 
They are the flowers who have arrested a 38-year-old man from Gangata location and he appeared last week facing those charges of murder is going to appear again for formal verification next week. The killing of women is common at Lukokwene village. In 2015, a 73-year-old woman, her 51-year-old daughter and 22-year-old granddaughter were hurt to death by angry community members who accused them of practicing witchcraft. I am Fundiswam Tlegude in Lusikisiki. Well, that's another concerning story, but really the story that brought this about was the recent killing of Garabo Mukwena, a part-time business student uh, uh, who has highlighted not only the killing of uh, a woman by those who are supposed to love them, but the brutality of it. According to the Medical Research Council, femicide, the murder of a woman by an intimate partner, is one of the leading causes of the death of women in South Africa. Is there a distinction? Um, maybe psychological trait in men who murder their partners and children or also the other question we should be asking is there a societal kind of um, psychology uh, that allows us to have this continuous trend going on and uh, in our studio we've got a guest that's Itumelenga Moloko who's the council manager from Power thank you Itumelenga for giving us your time and also on the line we've got uh, Nondumiso Nsiandanda who is from Tswarana Legal Advisory Center. I want to come to you, Dumiling. It's very concerning seeing this kind of thing now being exposed. It's become kind of something that's become on the public platform, but we know this is not new. This is something that's been kind of a trend in South Africa for years and years out. From your kind of work, working with power and, and the work that you're doing, what has created this kind of uh, obsession, especially with the power dynamics when it comes to the relationships between men and, and, and women? And also not just that, but the fact that we continuously have this kind of um, psychological mishap in our society where it seems like it's become normalized for women to be abused, to be killed, to go missing. It's something that our society really is failing to deal with. Yes, it's very sad that we are experiencing what we are experiencing Mm. and more so uh, the families, you know, that are going through these difficult times. Mm. Um, For us as an organization, I mean, we're living in a particular society where men um, are socialized differently Mm. as much as women, you know. Um, Men are socialized into... Um, thinking that they are better off, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, they can do what they want to do and get away with it. Um, Men are socialized into um, believing that they are the decision makers, you Mm -hmm. know, they can um, say whatever they want to say and and that must happen, Mm -hmm. you know, that they are in control, they have power. Um, you look at the the, the roles, you know, Mm -hmm. on how men and women are socialized. Men are, are, are... uh, in a decision-making positions and and whatever they say goes, mm-hmm. you know, and and men uh, grow up um, feeling that they have uh, you know a sense of entitlement, you mm-hmm. know, um, if he's in a relationship and a woman wants to end the relationship, that can never happen. Who are you to do that as a woman? You know, if I can't have you, nobody else will, you know, and the sense of power, wanting to punish, you know, mm-hmm. and and I guess again, it's um, them not being taught how to deal with their emotions. You know, mm-hmm. they bottle up their emotions. I mean, um, things like men are not supposed to cry, you mm. know, uh, um, 
um, you must be strong, uh, otherwise you are a sissy, you know. Mm. And and men grow up not knowing how to release that anger, mm. you know. When they cry, they are laughed at. And we always tell men that even if you find a corner, get that corner and release those emotions. Mm. Now they bottle up these emotions, and when they find or they come across uh, difficult times or they are facing some challenges, the only way they know how is to is to beat, you mm. know, is to 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 act mm. on this anger that they feel inside. That's why we're seeing what is happening. Well, let, let, let me bring that to you, Nondumiso, because that's concerning, not only concerning the fact that men ha- are feeling this way and maybe men are conditioned that way, but that there is a society that actually is responsible for conditioning men this way, that there's actually kind of an environmental, external force that allows men to actually behave in, in, a, in a way that they feel superior. And... That condition itself, isn't that the problem that men are socialized to believe this power dynamic that they the decision makers, what they say goes? What, what are your thoughts around those paradigms, Rindumis? Uh, thank you very much, uh, Benjamin. And may I start by saying that you're quite right that as a society we've normalized violence against women, mm. which is very much problematic. And oftentimes we react when we see a particular news headline and then a couple of, da- a couple of days later we move on to other topics, which mm. is problematic, certainly. Um, I think Tiny to me is really right when she says that it's a system of patriarchy we've been conditioned in a particular way to behave in a particular way mm. and it certainly is problematic because we sustain the system of patriarchy in various ways we see it happen in our workplaces and how we conduct ourselves but I always say this that a lot of us have to unlearn a lot of that that we have learned. So this doesn't have to be a thinking that we have to sustain long term, but we need to, we need to start um, unlearning a lot of that that we learn, which we are seeing as problematic, and in that way that can actually help us to address the issue of violence against uh, women in the country. You're quite right that it is within a society, it happens, it, it, I mean, patriarchy at times is sustained oftentimes by, 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 by societal behaviors, mm-hmm. traditions, culture, and all of that and all of that. And it then basically says to us that we as a society need to change that thinking. We as a society need to unlearn a lot of that that has been sustained, that sustains our male dominance as opposed to promoting equality between men and women. Mm. I want to bring in our other guest who's just joined us now, Bugelwa Moirane, who is a victim of violence. Uh, mm. uh, Bugelwa, just uh, let's, let's speak to you. Tell us a little bit about mm-hmm. um, your experience. I haven't really found out. I wanted to find out on the radio show what you've okay. been through, just like all our other guests, what you went through as, as, a, as a victim of, of violence. Tell us a little bit about yeah. your, your experience, and we'll unpack it as, as we move on on the show. Okay, not a problem. Good morning to everybody. Um, Hello. Thanks for having me on the show. Awesome. Um, my, what happened to me uh, happened on the 12th of February this year. Okay. Um, I, was, I had just gotten off a taxi uh, from Abonyemo, and I had to connect to another taxi that would ha- take me home. Mm-hmm. So um, now, after I got off the first taxi, I was walking towards uh, the other taxi mm-hmm. so I could connect to it. And uh, I saw a car park in front of me, but I didn't take notice to it. You know, I was just minding my business. Mm-hmm. And um, after taking a few steps, walking past the car, a guy came behind me and said that I must get in the car, I shouldn't do anything stupid, 
I should just, I will get hurt, I should just get in the car. So I just decided, you know what, I don't know if he has a gun or a knife behind me. Mm. So let me just do as he says. So after I got in the car, he was staring at me, uh, he was calling me names and telling me that he was going to go rape me. Mm. So at that moment, I tried not to panic because now I had to think of a way out of the situation. So while he was saying at me, he he called a friend, and uh, I didn't hear exactly what he was saying because it was a language that I couldn't understand. And, uh, yeah, uh, he took a right turn um, into this very dark street, and that street will lead you towards, like, um, Sun City, Mm. Uh, San City Police Station, mm. I mean, uh, the Correctional Service. Mm. Um, and then while he was driving, I noticed that the door was unlocked. Mm. And that's when I decided, you know what, it's now or never. I just have to jump and save my life. You know, I mm. thought at that moment, you know, I have nothing to lose. I, he, he was going to go kill me. So, you know, it's either I take the risk or... You know, let me just take those and find out what will happen. And I was lucky enough to have survived the jump without breaking any bones. Uh, but I did lose two teeth and I, I got a few scars on my face. Mm. Uh, well, that must have been... Jumping, sure, okay. okay Tell sorry. us. Carry on, carry on. Yeah, after jumping, mm. uh, that's when I started running. Mm. He made a U-turn to try and find me, but mm. I hid in the bushes. Okay. And then he passed, obviously. I got up and he made another U-turn. So I had to hide in the bushes again, mm-hmm. and I got up the second time, but he saw me. So luckily, there were cars behind him, and he couldn't immediately make a U-turn. Okay. But eventually, he did, and uh, he got to where I was, and he parked in front of me. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started running for my life, you know, thinking, if he shoots from behind, at least I am very close to the garage, and somebody will find my body. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was lucky enough to get to the garage and get help from there. Mm. Well, that's a sad story because it sounds like it's an attempt of an abduction there. Um, I, I want to just come back to our other guests. I need to take a break because I've heard these stories even from close friends of mine who are saying that mm-hmm. these things are happening more and more. But let me take a quick break. You're listening to Channel Africa, The African Perspective. Today we're speaking about the wiring, uh, the really big story in South Africa about you know the difficulty for South Africa to grapple with the war on women and the issue of women are actually now really targets of of big, big sad atrocities, whether it's abuse, whether it's killings, whether it's abductions, trafficking, and all sorts of things. And uh, well, it's a worrying story indeed. Not a very good Monday. But hey, we'll talk about this after our break. Good news for listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605-47-1711. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605-47-1711. Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective.
while you're listening to Channel Africa, the African perspective. Thank you for joining us. We're on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. Uh, that's our service into the continent where we uh, connect with our friends on Africa. And uh, that's also, uh, you can listen to us on uh, 802 on the audio bouquet. We've got Itumileng Moloko, who's a council manager from Power, as well as Nondumiso Nsiadanda, who is from Twaranang Legal Advisory Center. We also have Bugelo Murane. We say she's a victim. It seems like she is a survivor here of uh, this uh, uh, issues that are taking place where women are becoming a victims in South Africa of various, various crimes. And, and that, that leads me uh, to come to you, uh, Itumileng. And let me, let me also remember to introduce Bambi Stewart as well, who's from the Amnesty International South Africa. I want to come back to you, Itumileng, before we also come to Bambi, is the fact that, um, you know, there are different forms of abuses. I've noticed, especially with what's happening on social media, the women who are missing, the women who are experiencing this femicide, but this femicide is not all of it. There's trafficking, people are being trafficked, there's attempts of trafficking. So definitely when we look at this, these abuses and these violations against women, they're not one-dimensional. They are not. Women are going through a difficult time, you know. Mm. Um, women are, mm. you know, um, they're in the process mm. and um, bent, you mm. know, stoned to death, um, obviously abducted, they are trafficked. Mm. Uh, even within um, intimate relationships, you know, there's women are, are sexually uh, molested by their, their, their partners, people that they trust. Mm. Um, this is horrendous, you mm. know. Uh, I think we have to, something needs to be done, something serious and something that is going to be consistent, you know. Mm. Uh, 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 we mustn't act when, 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 when these things are happening now and then at the end of the day we keep quiet. Mm. And um, I want to believe that everybody must come on board, you know. Mm. Um, the perpetrators, we know them, they live, live amongst us. Mm. Um, we mustn't... Um, put the importance in the fact that they are breadwinners and, and so forth and so mm. on, you know, because the, 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 the very perpetrators are our uncles, are, you know, our brothers and our neighbors. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's a tough one. It I'm, I'm just disillusioned one. by mm. the whole thing. Yeah. Well, let, let me come to you, uh, Bambi Stewart, before I come also to Nondumiso and Bugelo. Uh, Bambi, you you there and um, I'm, I'm interested in terms of that just the nature and and kind of that you know just how these um, violations look I, I don't know if you have numbers for us in terms of uh, uh, just how bad the situation is and how's how how multifaceted these violations are mm. thank you um good morning to you and your listeners and your guests in the studio mm. um so amnesty international has published uh, two reports, you know, looking at incidences of violence against women, because when you speak about women, unfortunately in South Africa, this is something that must also, you know, be discussed. So one of our reports was looking at, you know, rural women living with HIV, facing human rights abuses in South Africa, and then also, you know, struggle for maternal health care and choice, so barrier to international care in South Africa. One of our findings, and I think the way our organization looks at violence against women is through human rights lens. So women do have the right, you know, to be free from gender-based discrimination and violence. Mm -hmm. Now, when you start speaking about statistics, you can aggregate the data through qualitative studies, so that's more through storytelling, 
or quantitative studies, what are the numbers? Mm. Unfortunately, because of how um, our, our South African police services aggregates the data, it is not quite clear then what the numbers can be, and this should be the first point of call as mm. a state institution, you know, for looking at the numbers. Mm. So what you've found, you know, in, in the reports published by other colleagues in civil society states is that there might be an overestimation or underestimation, mm. where you find, for example, in provinces like Limpopo, the numbers are sitting at 77% in 2013, and you look in, in Gauteng, more urban area, the numbers are quite higher. So what this tells you is that when you're looking at the numbers in South Africa, you also need to take into account the different provinces um, and what story that tells you. Mm. So can you unpack those numbers for us just a, a little bit? Do we have a clue? So there's no idea of how those estimations look? I think if you're looking at data from... 2014, mm. which is unfortunate that there isn't any more data that's more recent. Mm. Women, for example, who are victims um, of sexual violence are the most common form of gender-based violence in South Africa. The South African Police Service was reported in 2012, uh, 64,419 cases. And in 2015, 53,617 cases. Um, mm. And then one has questions about, you know, what accounts for the decline. And we know that victim empowerment centers are starting to be less and less resourced, mm. whereby they need to come up with the story of what the numbers mean. Mm. Well, I, I, sure, also, sure. No, go ahead, go ahead. Just give me that final sentiment there, uh, Bambi. I was going to say mm. it briefly. If you're looking at 2012, which is about five years ago now, um, in Limpopo, as I said, it's 55% women who are, who are victims of gender-based violence, 51% in the Gauteng, 45% in the Western Cape. What is that? also is the fact that many of these cases go un- underreported. You know, mm-hmm. this is known. Mm-hmm. But because the data doesn't exist, it's not difficult to substantiate such a claim. So I think South Africa needs to become quite serious about reporting, monitoring the reporting, so we can actually have something to track in a measurable base, measurable mm-hmm. base to work from. Because for us to sit and say that, you know, violence against women is increasing without the numbers makes a coordinated effort challenge. Well, that brings me back to you, Nondumisa, in terms of uh, the judicial system, the policing structures. Mm-hmm. It seems that women are finding it difficult even to get that kind of defense from our judiciary and also from our policing. Even when you hear the, the story of Bugia Loade, mm-hmm. that um, you know her incident took place just near a police station, that means mm-hmm. these guys are not really threatened by uh, the policing structures of their communities. Certainly, Benjamin, um, you are very right, and the statistics that Bambi um, has just read to us do, do in actual fact, in particular the police statistics. Let me just briefly say that last year statistics were at 51,895, wow. and, and in actual fact that may look like it's a slight decline from the previous year, but the reality of the matter is this is far from, from, from an actual reflection of what's happening on the ground. Mm. There are many women who don't report rape in the country. And a part of that reason is because of the challenges that they face in the criminal justice system. Mm. 
There's a study that we did uh, not long ago that was looking at identifying medical legal barriers to the effective prosecution of rape cases in four provinces. And what we actually found in some of those provinces was that oftentimes women uh, were turned away because of simple things like negative attitudes by police officials. So you ask yourself, the, the MRC study, the Medical Research Council study that was done in, 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 in 2009 actually says the killing of, of, of a partner is the most extreme consequence of intimate partner violence. Mm. So you can imagine if you actually go to a police station and you don't get the assistance that you need. Mm. Oftentimes, and, and as we may see in many cases, oftentimes the result may, be, may, may end up being the killing of a partner, which in some cases could have been avoided. Um, some of the challenges we do know in the country that we have got very low conviction rates and as a, a part of that is a result of poor investigations. I'll make an example. I visited a police station about uh, two days ago mm-hmm. and I had company day survivor. Mm-hmm. And when I got there, um, as we were uh, as they were assisting us in opening a case, one of the things they said to us is that we need to fill in a J88 application and you actually needed to go to a hospital to do that, right? Uh, now, we were told, when I asked, how are we expected to get there? They said, well, if you don't have transport, you can take a taxi. Can you imagine what that actually means for a rape survivor? You go to a police station to report. You are not provided with support to actually go to the hospital mm. to get the necessary uh, uh, medical, uh, legal evidence required for this. This is problematic. These are part of the things that do turn away uh, rape survivors. And what does that actually mean? It means that some of the fa- these cases actually fall through the cracks of the criminal justice system because had we not insisted that we be provided with transport there's a high chance that many women who face this type of situations actually end up going back home because what's the point I don't have money for a taxi so it means I actually need to get money for a taxi to go to a clinic or a hospital then come back with the field in J88 form to the same police official who follows up on that that is certainly problematic. We've had situations, again, where we're told that there aren't enough cars uh, uh, to transport, um, to, 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 un- to, 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 there aren't enough cars, basically, um, um, uh, to cater for, for, for the work that the police do. So oftentimes they will prioritize a murder case, and if you're coming in as a rape survivor, I suppose you would need to find ways of sorting yourself out. This, again, speaks to the issue of political willingness. Mm. This is an issue that we have raised over time. And what has happened is we are not seeing much change in this regard. So this, again, becomes very problematic for any, for, for any rape survivor. So these are just one of the instances where a lot, a, a lot of the cases fall through the cracks of the criminal justice system, and this could be avoided. Mm. Yeah. I want to come back to you, Bugelo. As a survivor, yeah. did you go to the, to, to the police? I mean, you were almost near a police station. And if you did, what yeah. kind of reception did you get? Um, I went to the Truth uh, Police Station to report it uh, the day after the, the incident. And um, I gave them the whole statement and everything. But now I haven't received a case number until today. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been trying to call the detective and he, he was never available. So I just also gave up on mm-hmm. this whole case. You know, I just told myself there isn't any help for me out there. And... You know, let me try and make enough noise mm-hmm. on social media so that people are aware that things like these happen and maybe I could get help, you know. Because mm-hmm. one thing they want from me is a uh, the plate number of the car. And I was like, how did I get time to mm-hmm. get the plate number, you know. So there isn't much assistance if I don't have a plate number. I do know the car, reg- I mean, the car module, mm-hmm. but 
I don't have the registration number. Mm. Well, also, Bugela, another question I wanted to ask is your feeling. How do you feel after that incident? I mean, I'm sure you have to wake up and still go to work. You still have to wake up, go to church, or hang out with your friends. Um, your sense of being, how are you feeling currently? Uh, you know, I don't feel safe. I mean, just on Saturday, uh, my sister went to something where a guy uh, was walking with her and he was pulling his friends to to come fetch him and stuff like that. We don't feel safe, you know. Mm. And after I spoke up about this whole incident, a lot of people have gone missing. And, you know, though some people have been found, and I'm really proud of the police, I must say. Mm. For the last past couple of days, uh, people have been found, and um, those that were missing have been found. So they're doing their best to try and change this whole situation. And I'm also proud of uh, the march that we had, not in my name, uh, where men were taking a stand against women abuse. Mm. You know, It shows that slowly things are starting to change. And though I don't entirely feel 100% safe, but I am aware that there are people out there who are trying their best to change the situation. Mm. So... One of the things that I am trying to do is organize pepper sprays for women because I think I didn't have a pepper spray, you know, and now I see the importance of having such things, a pepper spray, a taser, mm. to protect myself and uh, self-defense uh, classes, you know, to be able to defend myself if I ever have an incident like this. So things like that need to be provided to females. And... Um, because now, on social media, there are these things, you know, there were always self-defense classes, but people are not aware of it. People who aren't on social media are not aware of these things. Mm -hmm. So we must go out there and talk to women and tell them, hey, um, that abduction's happening and uh, this is what you can do to protect yourself. Mm. Well, I'm going to take another quick break and then I'll come back to you, to you guests in terms of finding out what's the way forward. I know that a lot of people have been talking about men have to start acknowledging their um, mishaps, their wrongs. Men have to start having the conversation. But I think even that conversation, we've had it for the last two, three years. It's not really working. And uh, it seems like there's a more systematic problem that we all have to be responsible for this particular issue. And uh, it's, it's, it's really, really kind of, I'm puzzled of what needs to be done. But we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to wrap it up. We have great news for you. Channel Africa has gone mobile. If you have a cell phone, you can now download the mobile app for Android. You can get it on Google Play. Get the latest news from Africa. Get the Channel Africa app. Channel Africa. Bringing you the African Perspectives. Well, today we're looking at violence against women. And uh, uh, it's interesting that now we're not doing it later in, in the year because there is a week where we actually do talk about this. And uh, now we, we're talking about it early because of uh, the situation that is currently underway with social media platforms. Everyone is talking about missing women, uh, women who've been abused, women who've been killed by their partners, uh, girls who've been hi hijacked. It's, it's just all over the place. 
this. And uh, I want to come to you, Itimuleng, uh, in our studio in terms of how do you actually move this conversation forward? Where, what do we do from here? Because it seems like we're all powerless. We've been talking about also the problem of the policing system. We've been talking about the problems of uh, the societal stereotypes and also how we are conditioned to actually think this way. But how do we take things forward beyond this mobilizing on social media? Because we have to change this thing in our real everyday lives. Um, so much needs to happen. You know, this mm. is not an individual thing. Mm. Um, I guess everybody must come on board. Um, we start by um, socialization, like I said earlier on, mm. how we socialized um, young ones um, within the families, mm. within the communities. Um, your SAPS, you know, your judiciary, mm. everybody must come on board, you know, in terms of uh, um, dialoguing, you know, having mm. dialogues around these issues and and coming up with measures that are strict you know to deal with the situation um police officers you know trained enough you know and monitored if if they are not doing what they are supposed to be doing there must be consequences the judiciary system um harsher sentences and make sure that the perpetrators um finish their term you know Mm. they mustn't say i mean save one third or two thirds and then they are out Mm. and then there must be serious rehabilitation in there you know Mm. in the in the correctional services Mm. um young women must be taught you know uh, uh, um to be to be able to identify the signs of abuse or you know uh, and and so that they're able to put a stop to it when it happens Mm. while it's still early um perpetrators must be arrested investigators do their job Everybody must come on board, you know, mm. and it must be a consistent thing. It can't be, um, we can't make noise now when these things are happening after some time, you know, um, it's quiet. Uh, it's, it's, so, it's so frustrating. Mm. It's so frustrating. I know, I know what you mean, and I understand yeah. that particular frustration. Uh, Bambi, your, your, your thoughts in terms of, of solution. I always kind of end the show with solutions, but this one, it needs kind of a very much um, a big strategy, a, a real kind of investment of resources and investment of, uh, of culture in schools. So much needs mm. to be done, and I don't know that we've got the capacity to do that in such a when this thing is so entrenched in our society. Mm. I'd just like to thank Bugela for sharing her story because it leaves us with the question then who is meant to protect the rights of women in South Africa? Mm. Because we are having challenges, you know, with our criminal justice system at government level, Department of Women and DSD, there are well known challenges within those uh, government departments. Also, we have something called Chapter 9 institutions, which are independent institutions, you know, that are meant to monitor um, government activity, but also play a coordination role. I think they made it way forward. Tomorrow, the police minister will be giving the budget vote um, in Parliament. And it would be interesting to see, you know, the kinds of funds allocated to units that deal with sexual violence cases and evidence collection and personal training, because that's one of the big issues, you know personnel don't quite know or seem to show a commitment of dealing with these issues. So we've got the Family Violence, Child Protection and Sexual Offences Unit, which has historically received less and less funding. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how seriously the new minister takes this matter for for sustained effort, but also the coordination role at a government level, you know, at Chapter 9 level, but also within ourselves, you know, civil society. Speaking out is incredibly important, and we're seeing the role of social media and speaking out. But we need more sustained effort, and I think our first point of call is looking at and really holding to account the people who we believe in South Africa are meant to protect the rights of women. Mm. I want to come to you, um, um, 
Nondimiso, uh, in terms of that solution, what else could we actually do in terms of mobilizing communities, especially families? You know, someone sometimes you know families are the ones that are also in denial of uh, whether the father is the rapist, or you know, when kids come out, or when the partner comes out. Also, there's no supportive structures for women, even from a community level. Certainly, and thank you so much, uh, Benjamin. I definitely think that families have an important role to play. Uh, as part of the study that I mentioned earlier on, in one of the provinces, in a small town, we actually found that almost every second case that's brought before the court is one of a rape of a minor. So you can imagine that oftentimes uh, minors need support within families too um, in, in reporting such ma- in reporting such ma- such. Um, matters. So I think it's important that families certainly support and I think there's a lot of awareness raising and education that needs to be done around rights and responsibilities and I'm, I'm, I'm also stressing the responsibilities aspect because we do have a responsibility as communities, as family members to make sure that we report such. So I certainly would encourage that. I think the second part to it that's slightly outside of your question is the importance of budgets. We're sitting in a situation where the country is going, uh, the, the country has got um, um, financial concerns if I should do that. But we need to start looking at where the budgets are actually being cut. Because if you're going to cut the budget of the Department of Social Development, which looks at violence against women programs, looks at implementing violence against women's programs, then we have a problem. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to allocate a budget to the Minister of Women to 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 to, to and show oversight over the work of the various departments, then we have a problem. Mm. If you're going to cut budgets for South African police services, or if we're constantly going to talk about some of the challenges that police services are facing in terms of resources and nothing is done about it, then we're having a problem, which actually means that, again, we need to do something around political leadership Mm. on this issue. And then I'll, I'll let you have the last word, Bugelo. Are you a survivor? Yeah. And I know that you've been speaking about you you acting as an activist after that particular situation. You've done a couple of things uh, on social media, uh, kind of pioneering a way forward. I know you're not just being a victim, but you say, hey, I want to do something about that experience. Uh, what are your thoughts around in 30 seconds in terms of solutions? Um, I think we should start at the root of the problem where we groom our boys to be uh, great men in the future, you know. And as well, we need to start making people aware of these programs, especially women, of, of these programs that can help them protect themselves if they find themselves in these situations. So already the police are starting to take action. Now it's up to us individually to take action and say, we are standing against uh, women abuse. If you see a boy hitting a, a girl on the corner, go there and help. If you see a girl in a car fighting her boyfriend, go there and help, because you never know, they could have abducted her. Mm. So we need to take a stand individually, and uh, we need to make people aware of these programs that help them uh, protect themselves. Well, thank you, ladies, for giving us your time. And I I know that uh, we had uh, four ladies speaking to us for this conversation, but I think it's appropriate Mm. because this is a time where women have to have their voices heard. They're supposed to bring those solutions themselves because we've been saying, hey, men are sitting around the table. We've been talking about these issues. But actually, we're not talking about these issues as men. We have to let the ladies tell us what's the way forward since they're the ones going through all of these uh, very horrifying narratives. But 
thank you to Bugela Morane, who is a survivor of violence. Thank you to Nondomiso and Siadanda, who is from Tswaranang Legal Advisory Center. Uh, thank you as well to Itumileng Muloko. Thank you for coming to our studio. Uh, she's the council member from Power. And thank you to Bambi Stewart, who is from Amnesty International South Africa. Thank you, ladies, for this very, very much progressive uh, conversation. I hope that it helped with uh, our listeners in terms of seeing the signs and also how to respond uh, uh, to some of the situations that are out there. Well, thank you for uh, listening to us uh, right here on uh, Channel Africa, the African Perspective. Uh, remember, uh, if uh, you're listening uh, to us here on African Dialogue, we come to you every Monday to Thursday, 1100 hours Central African time. Uh, remember, you can also find us on our email address, info@channelafrica.org. Please tell us what you think of our programming. We'd like to hear from you. Or you can SMS us on plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero and and tell us what you think of our program, African Dialogue. We'd like to hear from you, even what you think of the subject matters. We'd like to hear your views. And our Twitter handles at Channel Africa 1 or at African Dialogue. Let's end with some music. This is Jamo Africa by Ishmael Lo. We know we're still in the month of May, so this is Africa Month. So it's great to play music that's really centered around the continent. Africa